episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Rick Davidson, and I am joined by my good buddy, Elkin Beltry. Ethan is out of town today, Elkin, and so it's just you and I, and we get to talk about a division where there is a lot going on, the Atlantic Division. We're trying to wrap, round out the Eastern Conference, and Elkin, are you ready today? Uh, definitely ready. I mean, there's probably a division where Ethan's like, ah, I'll sit this one out. If I'm going to miss one, I'm he's good missing this one. I, I I think so. I think so. And um, you know what? Let's just let's just get right to it. So gotta start off with the Boston Celtics who have been in the news this week. Um Udoka obviously is uh I mean, there's a lot going on. There's still more to come out with that and you know late in the middle of the week we start getting these uh, you know, Woj and Champs coming out, giving more and more and more. This is just a really unfortunate situation, a, a really um, uh, you know, difficult thing where, you know, Ime is basically top two as far as, like, the power dynamic, power structure in in, in Boston. And, uh, you know, news news comes out that he's had an inappropriate relationship and there could be more, right? Like, could, could be more going on there. So yep. he's out for the whole whole yep. entire um season net minimum it would seem mm-hmm. and uh then we're bringing joe missoula uh who's taking the interim role this year i don't know I mean, the dynamic like, up until middle of last week if you would have told me like who's had one of the best off seasons of any team boston would have been right there and uh, it probably would have been my favorite at least to start to you know at least out of the Eastern Conference, make the finals and probably even win the I think I would have picked them. Um, but now this kind of makes, I mean, this whole awful situation kind of throws a wrench into things. What are your thoughts on them? Yeah, this situation is ugly. And, I mean, and it's just right after they lost Will Hardy too. Like, I was trying to think because Will Hardy won the top assistants in the NBA. If you feel happy for the guy to get this coaching position, Will Hardy out, he's in Utah now the head guy over there and you're kind of, you're excited for him, but the whole situation is messy. I, I kind of just like step back and let things go. And like, it's easy to get involved with a lot of, like he said, like a lot of gossipy stuff during this time. I think that's the issue with this whole email situation. And I think at this point we got to just like wait and see. Like I, I feel like whichever, I mean, parties involved, I think there's going to be a lot of like emotional pain that has happened with several people involved and families involved and it's and it sucks that this situation has come to it i know some people are like oh comparing it to the robert sarver situation i'm like i don't think we can do that i, I really it, don't think it's yeah Go ahead. It, it, it i mean it's way different than than Sarver, especially being the owner of the team yeah. um and with all the you know litany of things that he has been um uh, accused of and, and here it's just you know, it seemed that they really wanted to, um, like, you know, say you know, this is a consensual relationship and all this. But regardless, you got the power dynamic of this is the head coach, uh, and yeah. and that's that that is not uh, when you start getting to that territory, then you know things that may be consensual may not seem that way. That way, and that, so and, that like, you, and I think you brought up a good point, Richard. The whole power dynamic of it. I think at the end of it, like, that's what a lot of people have to realize. Like, when it's power dynamics involved in a workplace, it's very, 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 very sticky. Like, I've heard of many places actually having, like, if there's, first, if there's even, like, coworkers 
at the same job, like let's say like even same level, some jobs have a meeting sign like an agreement, like a that it doesn't affect like their work. And I've seen some places where if you have like a power dynamic issue and you have someone who's a superior, they normally make one person um, resign from their from their position just so there's not that conflict of interest. And I think like you kind of brought up an interesting point too, where you said like, yes, we say it's consensual, but with the whole power dynamic, it's going to become more murky when it comes to that. I mean, you can look at this happened. I mean, people, I've seen a variety of responses all over social media and on whatever. And it's, it's, it's like, Oh, well, Ime Yoka got a year for, for, for this. Well, guess what? Gerson Rosas got fired for this. So, uh, when, when he, when a similar situation happened with him in Minnesota, um, he's, I mean, and he, here's the, here's just the unfortunate reality of the situation. Like he, Gerson Rosas was underperforming at his job. And then on top of this and new ownership and all that stuff, like, you know what, let's just go ahead and have a clean break. Tim Connolly come in, let's do this. Whereas Ime Yudoka, one of the people who I think most attributed with the success of this team turning around last season, making it to the championship, uh, it's like, hey, we are we are suspending you for the year, but we're we're going to bring you back after this year. I also don't know how that happens yeah. in a clean, nice way. But uh, it almost the fact feels that like he has not been fired. Yeah. Like, I think if if this had been just some random coach that uh, where their team hadn't had as much success, I think he's gone. Uh, just because yeah. I don't know how I don't know how you really I don't know. You almost feel like, too, that we're going to reach a point where it's going to be a, a resignation because it's going to feel like one of those, like, it's a distraction from the team, one of those things. And I feel like, I like I, I don't know. how do you I, come I, back, it, Richard? Then, I think then, it's very resign, hard to come Yeah. If you resign, like, there's money involved, too. Like, And that's the thing. And so I feel like he's, like... He got $5 million a year to coach his team. I don't know. Yeah, so it could be something where he's like, I want to keep my money, and maybe the Celtics kind of like work something out, and they're like, we're gonna re- we've are gonna, we announced that we relieved him of his duties. Better for us and him and the franchise to go our separate ways, and almost like a clean slate with that coaching staff. I think I almost feel like that's like the best route. I think after something like that happens, I almost feel like that's the first route, and then like, there's, like you said, there's still more coming out that like – Possibility of it not being consensual, um, possibility of this staff, um, this staffer helping out with his um, with Ime's current partner to arrange trips, road trips to arrange housing, and like it's it's very messy. But at the end of it, we are we do want to talk about what this team's outlook is. This team did reach the finals at one point, had a I believe two one lead in the finals. Yep, they were they were looking pretty good. They were looking good. Uh, somehow, of course, I know people want to kind of poop on ESPN and say like, "How do they have? What was it like eighty eight percent chance to beat the Warriors in the finals?" I come up the stats, and sometimes you have to tell people it's like, "Look at how the formula is made." Like when you look at how the formula is made, like you can't just like take a stat and be like, "Oh, this is what it is," and it was so wrong. But I'm like, you gotta think about. With numbers, they just take the numbers that are available, the stats that are available, and put it in there, put it into a formula. And it says, like, hey, there's a probability this happened. Now, it's almost like you have an outlier like Steph Curry, who has an amazing performance. And sometimes it's very hard to account for something like that. And you kind of see defensive breakdown as well. When you have those two combinations, you're going to have – go ahead. And the injury, like, trying to figure out how – like, 
how good is Robert Williams right now? Because a healthy Robert Williams could really change the dynamic, and he's out there, he's playing, and again, we don't know how those how those uh, you know ESPN models or just any of the statistical models look at these things. Boston, obviously, a statistical darling. Hey, guess what? They made the they made the they, those statistical uh, analysis were probably pretty good because Boston was uh, you know right, right up there. They made the the finals had had the lead that you talked about and described right and so like it's not that the models are are awful but it's this is a team that had a legitimate shot to win yeah and for whatever reason they didn't but they yeah. bolstered their their team right yeah they did bolster that team I mean one of their additions it is kind of sad unfortunately tore ACL during the the Euro Cup. Which which sucks. We're talking about Gallinari. They know Gallinari, new addition, and he's a guy, a good veteran. That honestly, like, I like him at like my four position. Like him as a four, he's a solid guy, and I'm like, I want him there because he can space the floor and he can be a playmaker. And at the same time, you like having him there as a body. And Robert Williams, I think we read the news again. Procedure kind of clear up things. So I think it was it eight to twelve weeks that they're estimating he's going to be out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a little bit. It's going to bleed into the season, I would assume. So I'm um, always when they say eight or twelve weeks, I'm always like, let me go on the high end when it comes to like, especially knee procedures like that. You always, and, thought, especially with a team like this, who's who you know is going to be there at the end. It's like, let's not rush this. We know that we can make the playoffs. We know that if he's healthy, we're good. And you have the flexibility of well, let's go ahead and just push everyone up a spot. Al Horford, you play center. Tatum Brown, go to the forward spots. And Malcolm Brogdon, our other addition, hey, guess what? You can start the season as a starter. Uh, and, there we go. And, you know, we can and? Make, make make everyone happy because this team is so deep. Mm-hmm. The, the place where they are weakest is now, you're right, with Gallinari going out, that's tough. Sam Hauser is like the poor, poor, poor man's version of that. Could space the floor. I believe he was out of Virginia. Yeah. Um, but he's he's like a power forward who can shoot. That, yeah, you're, that, you're pretty much just going to rely on Grant Williams in those minutes now, which I, I'll tell you this. I remember I remember in one pod almost like a year and a half ago, we talked about, I was like, hey, Grant Williams, I want to see what he does. And I remember at the time, the opinion of this podcast was not so high on Grant Williams. And yes, he was a little bit not where he is now, but I'll give you this. He has been developing to a nice role player for them, especially how he can spread the floor for them. But if they can have Malcolm Brogdon healthy, and as a Pacers fan, the only thing I want them to do is not play him a lot of minutes. Like, he's a guy, play him his minutes, but not overdo it. But if you have him in the playoffs, like, defensively, he's one of the better defensive guards. So if you have him him and Marcus Smart, you won't have, a, like, a large backcourt, tall backcourt. Him and Marcus Smart in the backcourt, and then Jason Tatum has also improved a lot defensively and you have Al Horford as well and Jalen Brown is no slouch defensively I know his numbers don't blow someone away but like I also like that starting lineup and especially some of the switchability you can do with that starting lineup yeah I I look at Brogdon being like all right if we want to if we want to maintain kind of our switchability levels like okay having Brogdon in there in that lineup as opposed to like Derek White or Peyton Pritchard for example like Peyton Pritchard Derek White that's like all right we've got a like a small guard who's running around there, like maybe it's a a, a Trey Young. We need to get around the screens or something like that. Then, then like you know, Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, that's where you go. Um, the issue that I have with this team, which I think we kind of touched on it, the the uh, at least what it's going to look like early on with Robert Williams 
you know, tried to recover from, from surgery is going to be like their back. They lost Daniel Tice, who, who, you know, he looked a little bit rough in against Steph Curry, but who, who you know, who doesn't, if you're a big, that's not able to defend out in the perimeter. Uh, so, but now you just like, you've got Al Horford, Luke Cornette. That's not, that doesn't instill too much confidence. And, and so I, I do wonder if they're going to look a little bit like, if you're going to find early on, it's like, oh, the Boston Celtics are allowing teams to really, you know, score at the rim pretty well. And it's like, oh, Robert, you know, yeah, Robert Williams missing. And they might say, oh, Ime Udoka is not there. And the new coach can't really get the defense there. But it might be just be, hey, we don't have, like, I don't trust Luke Cornette from the, from the backup center position. Um, maybe there's another move to be had out there. The problem is you can't really go and get, uh, you know, they, they, they shipped off Tice, and unless he's shipped somewhere else, he can't come back right right away, right? So, um, the two knows. Maybe, maybe Indiana is making some moves still, but that's kind of where we're at with this Boston team. Um, I still think that they're going to be pretty good. I still think that they're going to be, they're in that top tier uh, as far as talent-wise. They're going to be a home court advantage team in the East come playoff time. But we'll see with all the positives and negatives if they're able to uh, maintain and sustain. Because there are other people, even in this division, who are chopping at the bit. And I think that's – let's get to that. One I, of think, those teams. I think our next team – I was going to say our next team, Philadelphia 76ers, uh, who had the same record as the Celtics last year too. They had a mirror record. And you get now a full season with James Harden. Um, you Sometimes I don't want to say this about a professional player, but it looks like James Harden took his offseason more serious and decided to do more conditioning. You would expect as a professional player that that's what you did, stay in shape or get in better shape. But they did that. But um, took one P.J. Tucker from Miami and also added Daniel House and DeAnthony Melton and Trevlin Queen as well. But I'm looking at this team, and this is a team for me that, that has death. Definitely has death. At, at various positions, um, we know Joel Embiid, a healthy Joel Embiid MVP candidate. If James Harden, like you don't need James Harden to be at his MVP level, but you do need him to be at a creative level that he's still able to get past the first defender at least. I think that's like key. If he can still facilitate and get past that, that would matter a little bit. And I am, and then for me, having a guy like Tyrese Maxey, who I think we saw, it kind of felt like in the playoffs he was besides Joel Embiid, he was like the main guy doing damage in the playoffs, especially like his one man fast breaks. And then Tobias Harris, who's sometimes like, I feel, I don't want to say I feel bad for Tobias because he has a, he's getting paid a lot of money, but sometimes I feel like he's a very, 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 very overpaid role player. But like you look at Tobias this year and it's like, you know what? We're not asking you to be the guy. Like yeah. we're not asking you to be like the primary scorer. We're asking like, think about, if you're if you're the other team trying to defend the Sixers, like your worst player, you're gonna stash on PJ Tucker. Like I for I have like a really big lineup for them to start. Like Harden, Maxi in the backcourt, Harris and Tucker in the front court, and then Joel Embiid. Like Joel Embiid is your primary. Like you're making decisions based on Joel Embiid, James Harden, then probably also like some Tyrese Maxi. And and then Tobias Harris, like he's the fourth person, third or fourth person that you're thinking about, depending on your own defensive construct. And so 
Like he's going to be able to eat. I think I think he's going to be able to to get where he needs to. And and here's the thing about this team. I I am at the moment, and, and maybe I'll change my mind before the season starts. But I really like. I think that this Sixers team is going to be like right up there, especially with what's going on in Boston. Like I think that this Sixers team is going to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference by by the end. I think that they are. You look at the immediately when James Harden got there, the best pick and roll, uh, you know, partnership in the league is here in Philadelphia. How do you defend a James Harden, Joel Embiid pick and roll? Because if you, uh, first of all, if you switch it, that's going to be something that's going to more so neutralize uh, James Harden, right? He's he he hasn't, you know, at least with since he's left Houston, he hasn't really been able to get out there and beat some of those switches as well as he used to. But if you do that, now you're switching to small onto Joel Embiid. That's done. You're you're toast unless you can unless you're really good at scram switching out of those situations. But like, I don't know how you deal with that. And if you don't switch, well, now guess what? James Harden does have that head of steam going down to the hoop, and he's going to get to the line. He's going like this team's going to shoot a, a bunch of free throws. They are going to be, I think, pretty efficient in their scoring. You have P.J. Tucker, who, you know, offensively maybe starting to tail off, but you know he's going to be stashed in the corner, and you know he's going to mash the offensive boards. Like, all of the little things that end up helping you get extra possessions or get more efficient possessions, this team has. And the questions, and I think this team is going to be one that really can scale um, smaller if they need to. Like, I got Tobias Harris as a small, starting small forward, right? Well, throughout this, he's going to play, he's going to definitely go in and play some four, right? And Melton's going to come in. House is going to come in, right? You're going to have uh, Thibault if you need to there. Like, this they, this team just, if they, if Embiid and Harden can stay relatively healthy, this team is the uh, number one seed in the Eastern Conference in my eyes. Yeah, that's how I look at it. Like, this is a team I kind of feel like, is going to be the team to beat, especially, I mean, I could see Joel Embiid having even a similar campaign as he did last year, if not maybe a little bit better. I can see him definitely keeping up with that. And I'm, I was like, all right, with this bench guys coming in, like already you have Daniel House who has some chemistry with James Harden. I mean, we're trying to do the, sounds like the Philadelphia Rockets at some point. We're bringing in Daniel House and P.J. Tucker. But if you have guys familiar with James Harden, I mean, a lot of times it's just put some shooters around James Harden, let him create, space it out. But I, I, I'm just curious to see his ability. I think I need to see it like outside of pick and roll, kind of like you talked about a switch. Like where is he at now with his ability? Like if that's something that we need to forget about, like, hey, he can't beat his guy anymore like he used to. Which, I mean, it's going to happen to yeah. everyone. It's, it, that happens to all players eventually get to a point where their speed decreases. Like it's crazy. Like it's literally like half a second which doesn't seem like much to us, but like in the NBA, that's that's all it takes for it to make a difference. And I'm more confident, like if you can roll out a unit with some of these guys, like let's say when Embiid, because Embiid is on the bench, because I mean, you want to stagger the Embiid and Harden minutes. Go ahead. I forgot. Montrose Harrell's on this team now. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I just threw that on there uh, because it wasn't on, like they hadn't, they hadn't put it on basketball reference yet. Montrose Harrell's there. So oh, and then you your... can, if you can give me like a Montrez Harrell, probably like James Harden pick and roll when Embiid's on the yeah. on the bench. It's, it's, same same yeah. idea. You're, you're probably more comfortable switching that one. Uh-huh. But guess what? Montrez Harrell's probably going to beat those, going to be slipping out of those 
pretty. That's like, the thing. Like that was the thing. Like him and Lou Williams, like were known like pick and roll. Montrezl Harrell like slip to the basket every time, and he's a solid finisher. So if you have those guys, and then of course if they try, you know, like collapsing in the paint to prevent like a mismatch, you want to have like those other guys coming off the bench, being on the wing, to go ahead and take a pass, and of course sprinkle in a few minutes of Paul Reed. I am, uh, I enjoy me some Paul Reed. You know, you don't need to, you don't need a lot of minutes, but sprinkle in a few minutes. And there's a team that I want I feel, more. I want more. I want more of about Paul. <laughs> I think this is definitely a team that you kind of feel like they're built for regular season, where some of the pieces where if they have a large lead, they're able to put some guys in and maintain a lead. Like, cause you kind of worry about that. Some teams who are like, they can only have large leads when they have their, their starters. in, And as soon as the bench goes in, it's like the lead just disappears. And I think there's going to be a team that hopefully they mesh the way they need to mesh and do that. And, I'm excited to see about Maxi's development because if he can develop like he need to, like he'll be able to give and beat Ann Harden some some rest from having to carry in that that scoring load. Because that's that's probably who impressed me the most, like in those playoffs. Like you can kind of see it, like, and he's still early in his career, so you know his game has a good ways to go to develop, and you want him to keep developing. I'm so happy they didn't include him in any. Because some people talked about that Ben Simmons, James Harden trade, try to get a Tyrese Maxey there, but Philly was smart to keep him. I'm like, you can't give away a guy like that, especially what he brings to your transition to your team overall. But that's my Philly. I don't know if you want to add anything about Philly besides, I mean, the departure of Danny Green, known veteran, uh, championship with several he, teams. He, Good luck charm. But with his injury, you know, he wasn't going to be able to do much for this team this year. Um, so, you know. They moved him. Somehow they were able to get D'Anthony melted. I think it just was a nice. I think that was a nice addition for them. Obviously they had to give away a first uh, to make it happen. But I, D'Anthony Melton's going to help better than whoever that first rounder was going to be. Whether it be it Jake Laravia or I can't remember if it was Laravia or if it was uh, David Roddy that Memphis took with that pick. But regardless, going to be uh, you know having James Harden out there. Tyrese Maxey can get some effort, but Melton can be your hey. Th- we we need we need someone. L- let's try to stop Trey Young th- t- today. Go ahead and just hound him. Like so, I love it. I think they're in good decision. The only thing got to figure out is Thibault's been involved in a lot of trade discussions. Uh, who knows if he will? What you know? But he's this is his last year um, before he's going to be uh, an RFA. So let's go ahead and move on to Toronto. Guess what? Just three games behind the two teams that we've talked about. Four, it's a quiet 48-34. and 34. Man, and it's crazy because um, like the and, two years before, right before they got Scotty Barnes, they were like struggling because Scotty Barnes, fourth fourth pick overall, they were definitely like I mean, had that drop. They had the the Tampa Bay year. Like that was a ridiculous time. The perfect that was horrible. tanking year. Yeah, so might yeah. as well just do that and you get yourself a player, rookie of the year, given not much depth behind him, but – I think that's something that we're going to see what happens. Maybe they can they probably put Otto Porter in some three minutes. I know that he's – Otto Porter makes a decent three. So, like, I, I put up, like, a little mini depth chart, and that's so such a tough task for this um, for this Raptors team. Like, okay, you got Fred VanVleet at the point guard. Great. OG and Obi, he's really kind of a three, but I put him at the two guard. Malachi Flynn, backup point guard. Gary Trent Jr., that's kind of your sixth man, and he, he could slot in – you know, for some starting minutes if need be, but everyone else is like six foot eight. Like you have Scott, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua, Kem Birch, uh, is obviously I think backup center. That's about the only one that makes sense. 
Otto Porter, Thad Young, Chris Boucher, right? Watcher Hernan Gomez, uh, Justin Wilson. Like, all these guys are, like, power forward size, which fits the defensive mentality that they want. So, like, there just wasn't really... I didn't know who to even put at the small forward, like, backup spot because it's just... Well, they'll shift OG up if they need to, or they'll just throw out some 6-8 guys and say, well, it doesn't matter. Positions don't matter anymore. Just switch everything. Um, and the interesting thing with them, in my eyes, is that they they have... Uh, they've really lost nobody. They threw in and added in, you know, Otto Porter. I think they added DJ Wilson. I could be wrong there, but just... Uh, I think he's... I think they brought him in newer this year. And it's we're just hoping for a little, little more health. Like, Pascal Siakam was great once December hit. Uh, Fred Van Vliet had some injury issues, especially near the end, that caused them to you know, struggle a little bit. Um, but you know what? This this team is... I, they, they, they're just... No one, would, no one really wants to play them. I don't think. Like, I think that they're an annoying team to play, annoying team to... Um, I don't know if it's just because they're kind of like a bit team with having just everyone be six foot eight minus Fred Van Vliet. Uh, so it makes you have to like, oh man, we got to match up with this team's size and length. So let's, rather than bringing our backup two guard, let's bring in our, our third string four. Like, I don't know. It's, they're a weird team to play, but hey... I th- that's probably a good thing for Toronto and just one more year with rep- you know repeating with the same kind of roster working on they got better with a defense over as the year went along maybe they can hit the round, ground running there and just be a surprising 50 win team in this more difficult eastern conference yeah well it's what's crazy is that like this atlantic division might be the most stacked division out of in the entire nba because we haven't even got into the last two teams uh maybe the last team meh but at least our next team, there's a team, if, if it meshes, our next team could be also a team that has a good chance to win. And we could see, I think there's a the potential of seeing four Atlantic Division teams in the playoffs. At least with I mean, at least one of could, them in the playing game. I mean, there could be five, too. Like, the Knicks, I'm not going to put it past them to make the play-in game. And, yeah. and you just kind of get you just kinda get lucky. Um, but you're right. Like, at least four in the playoffs, I think, you know... I think that's reasonable. Like Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets, like, yes, they've been kind of a joke, but this team could, like, we've said for a while, like, just playing basketball games will solve a whole lot of issues for the Brooklyn Nets. Guess what? Kyrie Irving is in a contract season. Like, he wants to get another contract. Like, no one wanted to trade for his contract. No one wanted to trade for him, except for the Lakers, for obvious reasons. So he probably knows I need to put together... Uh, if I was, if I still want to be a voice for the voiceless out there, I need to be able to be playing basketball games and get paid to do so. So I think he's going to bring it this year. Ben Simmons, he's had enough time off. I think hopefully his back is in good shape. Yeah. If he comes out and plays, you got KD who knows he wants to play basketball. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff going on this off season. Sneaky Royce O'Neal, Brittio signing, TJ yeah. Warren signing. Like this team's this team's frisky. Interesting. I think they could. They could do some damage. Do you just want to go ahead and transition to the Nets? Yeah, let's just uh, let's, do it because just go I don't know what else to say with the Raptors. No, and, and I mean, like, you bring it up. Like, I I don't know if you heard. I think you might have heard bits of the old man in the three pod, Ben Simmons, finally. Like, I think it's like his first official, seems like his first official interview 
since everything went down. I feel like I haven't yeah. really heard much besides like bits released from his agent, like statements. But kind of listening to that, um, it's good to see at least JJ kind of questioning him on some stuff, like kind of pushing at it because till this day, after listening to the pod, I believe that Simmons still had no excuse to pass up that dunk opportunity on Trey Young. I know he said in the NBA windows, yada yada, split second decisions, but I'm like, at that point, you got to dunk it. But if you have a healthy Ben Simmons, I think, Richard, it's hard to find playmaking and defense at that size. And to me, I think that matters more. And I think, like, even if you were a coach or if I were a coach, I think both of you and I would tell Ben, like, I don't even want you to worry about scoring. I just want you to know, if you get a layup, get a layup. Rebound, put back, do that. But I just want you to worry about your playmaking and defense. Like, if you can get, like, a Ben Simmons that can fully commit himself to his All-NBA level there, like, I think you have to be happy with that if you have him running that with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because, to me, he's one of the best defenders in the league still. And you can have him be able to switch a little bit. And if you have him playmaking with Kyrie, with – Kevin Durant on the wings, and hopefully we get a healthy Joe Harris. Hopefully he comes back healthy because that's one piece that they were missing. I think there's a team, if everything's clicking, I mean, you have a lot of, you have two of the best bucket getters in the NBA. Sprinkle some good role guys. And I think you have a chance to at least make one run this year, which is crazy to think. So like, we're looking at them possibly being like the third or fourth best team out of this division. That's the crazy thing, too. Yeah, yeah, like this team has a wide range of outcomes, in my opinion. I don't really know where where I want to go with this, as far as like them, you know, I I don't know. Um, the what I what I will say is, this team, like they they're really deep with wing sized people. Obviously, they have Kyrie. They got Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Cam Thomas, the, the guard. But like, there's no one who I really trust to defend guards on this team, like losing Bruce Brown, like I think uh, that's, that's going to hurt a little bit. Yeah. Like that's the one, sorry. Yeah. So they, they, they lost Bruce Brown. Um, yeah. And I think even the issue bring in ben Simmons, yeah. I guess you just got Ben Simmons, throw, throw him on people. Yeah. I guess. I think the only thing you have to worry about is like, depends how physical Ben gets with like a smaller guard, because if he like with bigger guys, he's able to get more physical and the rest kind of let them play physical. But I feel like a smaller guy would be like, all right, Ben's getting physical with me. Let me get him in foul trouble. I think like that's going to be interesting to see. Like, and then I feel like they never figured out front line, big man. I mean, we got Nick Claxton, who I still don't think they're completely sold on. And then they're on sharp. That's what we're dealing with. And if this team, I know, yada, yada, yada. When all close Kevin Durant was DeAndre Jordan, but if this team could have kept the Jared Allen, I would have been looking at things so much. I don't know if they would have been able to get James Harden and then Ben Simmons without that, but for me, if you had Jared Allen on this team, I'll be very satisfied because then I almost feel like, hey, you don't have to worry about as much. Yes, you want to worry about the front, the your defense up high, but then we have a good defender in Jared Allen who's waiting at the rim who can at least like cause some damage and decrease percentages when those players get past their initial uh, defensive assignment. Yeah, I mean, they're already a team, though, that's, like, well into the attack. Like, this team is, of the teams we're talking about today, the most into the attacks. And so they're, that's not great for them. Uh, But 
so, so I mean, obviously there comes a time where, where like that number gets too high um, already. Now, now where were you, I'm going to ask you a question after you say your thing. I want to ask you a question about them. You go ahead first though. Okay. Well, I like, I do look at this and Hey, Ben Simmons at center is like crunch time. What I think that this team is going to lean to and get to because like against most teams, right? I think you can, you can do that. Obviously you want to be able to go small to be able to space the floor out and, you know, Ben Simmons has, but like going from bumping Nick Claxton out and throwing in a Royce O'Neal or, or Seth Curry, if you really want to go small, depending on how they got to, you know, defend. Uh, like I, I'm curious to see how they use Ben Simmons. I'm, I think that there's going to be times and places where he is the point guard. Like, if you're doing some staggering with him and Kyrie, like, he can run point guard and you can get Seth Curry, Patty Mills. Like, they can do stuff off ball. Uh, and so I think that's where you're going to get him, like, being able to, you know, he wants to have the ball in his hands. Well, you have Kyrie KD. Like, I think he recognizes those guys aren't going to be able to do it. So, uh, like, he's not going to be able to – be the ball in his hands more over that over those guys. So I I trust that he in those situations can have that. Hopefully that satisfies him there. But then being what we've talked about before on offense, that that screener role man, supersized Bruce Brown, right? Draymond yeah. Green offensive role. Like that's the thing. Like that I felt like you kind of felt like besides KD and some of those series, Bruce Brown was like the second most important person on that team. Like I don't I don't know if you got the same sense, but it kind of felt like he like he knows his way around a basketball court. Like that's, that's something important. A role player who knows where to be at, which basketball is all about timing. I'm, I'm hoping to, um, I know TJ Warren's kind of been like on ice. Pacers were kind of, I mean, his wishes was to kind of get healthy. If they can somehow get like even 1920, maybe pre bubbles, pre bubble TJ Warren or bubble TJ Warren. Like that's a person who I'm like, put him with my bench unit. Hey, go ahead and just get buckets out there with the bench unit. Like, TJ Warren, I think he could provide that because I think that's one thing, like, one reason why they signed him. They're like, we've got to make sure to generate points. We're going to stagger Kevin Durant and Kyrie as much, but there could be, like, maybe, like, a two- or three-minute space where, hey, both of those guys sit down, like, an end of a quarter or something. They're like, let's let's take advantage of end of a quarter. And if TJ Warren can give you that with, like, a Patty Mills running with him, something like that, like, that would be, be a lot of positive for them. And I don't think there's any team that – uh like knows TJ Warren's foot situation better than the Brooklyn Nets already because their team doctor is the one who performed the surgery even when he was over in uh, Indiana. So like they're in a good the good spot there, I think. Um, they just need to figure out what they're doing. Like if things go well, awesome. If things yeah. start to not go well, Seth Curry's an unrestricted free agent. Do you look to move him for something? You know, the Kyrie thing is there. If Russell, if Russell Westbrook, sorry, the ball season getting underway. Russell Westbrook is still in the Lakers, and that's not going so great. Do you finally look to do the, all right, let's do the Russell Westbrook trade? Um, do you totally blow it up? Does the KD trade all of a sudden start to happen? Uh, so the beginning of the season, I think, is going to be especially important to this team. We'll see how they do with it. Yeah, I kind of see it like if this season bombs, like, because I know you put a, uh... Uh, unrestricted free agent for Kyrie, but like if I can't see him, even if they keep him for the entire season, I can't see it anywhere unless if they make a very deep playoff run, I don't see them keeping Kyrie after this season. 
it, it's got to look good. It's got to look very good. He's got to be bought into whatever's going on. There's got the vibes have to be whole a whole lot better in Brooklyn, and in that case, then it's all right. Well, let's go ahead and go into it. Um, New York Knicks. All right, I'll last, go ahead and last team. Yep, yeah, last team. And you know, I'll say I liked what they did in free agency, kind to an extent. I mean, obviously, they missed out on the, on the Donovan Mitchell thing. We talked about that. Jalen Brunson, bringing him in, I think, is a helpful thing for them offensively. I think it puts people in a better pecking order on that team. And I love the Isaiah Hartenstein move. Like, they probably have the best backup center situation now um, of any team out there. Like, like the nerds loved Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, and so mm-hmm. they might have given, you know, a... a a little too much to Mitchell Robinson, but I think that looked like it was just coming down the road anyways. Um, the thing yeah. with them is they just don't really make sense at the backcourt now. You bring in Jalen Brunson, and you have Evan Fournier, who you need to like show off to send out. He has a big contract. <laughs> you probably want to trade him. Derek Rose, he's going to get some backup point guard minutes. Quentin Grimes, who you wouldn't uh, trade for. Donovan Mitchell, like he became a sticking point, Quentin Grimes. So he's got to be doing something, but he's like six foot five ish. Maybe he'll get some run at the three. Back and then, the, three. I don't, and I don't then know. the thing is, we know RJ Barrett's a primary ball handler as well. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Like you have like pretty much five guys who are primary ball handlers, and or at least four. I've guys. not mentioned Emmanuel quickly yet. Emmanuel quickly is on this basketball team, and Deuce McBride, who they who they drafted uh, a year ago, so like he's there too. And we they love Emmanuel. Too many guards. I almost feel like, yeah, like they should have moved some pieces. And like you're right about showing off. Like I wouldn't be surprised before a trade deadline of Evan Fournier is out of there. Because for me, like I definitely so like for you in the depth chart, I see that you put Quentin Grimes ahead of Emmanuel quickly. Is that like, like for me? They, I, I would have switched him. Like, but that's well, the New York Knicks apparently like when the Jazz said, "Hey, go ahead and include Quentin Grimes," they were like, "No, no, no." Can we not do that? Can we include Emmanuel quickly instead? Like that was the discussion there. We like Emmanuel quickly here, but to be honest, we've said, hey, he's kind of the person where I don't know if he's really a point guard. He really is like a small shooting guard, and so he would he would be a really good fit on a team, say next to Luca or something like that. Yeah. Kind of like in the you know being able to space the floor and maybe defend defend ones, but he's just a little bit slight. I get that. Uh, it just. I look at it and say they need to do a consolidation room other like move. Otherwise, you're playing a whole lot of three guard lineups. Yep. I don't know. Tibbs doesn't seem like the three guard lineup type of guy to me. And so then, how did you feel about? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you read the reports that many people did of the reported trade packages or like what Utah was asking for from New York. Do you feel like New York should have pulled the trigger on some of those deals, or do you think like it was good for them to stay pat? I need to figure out, like, is, like, which picks were involved, how many of those picks were involved. Because they have, like, they could have included up to eight first-round picks. Granted, some of them, not as valuable. They weren't the Knicks' own picks. They were, like, protected picks from, uh, you know, other teams, Detroit, and I, you know, I think even the, the, re- I can't remember. There were so many picks that got rerouted in, the, in that Duran trade. I don't know which one's which, but they have a few that are not their own. And if they were including a bunch of those and maybe a couple of their own, that's fine. But selling all all of their primary picks for Donovan Mitchell, 
they still need another piece. And in this day and age, the way you get that is through trade, not through someone hitting the open market, at least of the higher, like Donovan Mitchell cannot be your best player on a championship team. I think that we've seen that. Um, it depends who your first player, first list player is, if he can be the second. So it's, I, I look at, at it and say, you know, I'm okay with that, with them not having to do that. Cause guess where Donovan Mitchell can go in two years if he wants to, he could be an unrestricted free agent, and just waltz right over if he wants to do that. If you trust that he'll have that money, um, the it's, thing just, is, though, it's not something that we see a whole lot. Yeah, I don't know. the thing is, though, I think both you and I would probably agree that it's a more stable situation in Cleveland, like roster makeup, roster construction. It, like it makes more sense. But you never know. You never know. Like things like go horribly. Or I mean, even, he doesn't even like if things it go well, like he's ha- he seems to have had eyes for New York or Miami in this process. Yeah, I which mean, is, I mean, he found, was, he found a random picture with a Cleveland jersey on from his youth. Cool, but let's be real. Unless you lived in Cleveland, you pretty much weren't a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, or you were a LeBron James fan. Like, I mean, that's how it was. All right, we're gonna we're, we're gonna keep it a hundred right there. But Richard, it's something I still struggle with this team. Like the Knicks, I am not high on their four position on Julius Randle or Obi Toppin. I am not high on those two guys, but like. The Knicks, I feel like, don't have much other choice but to keep a Julius Randle. Like, you got to – I feel um, like you, you have to, at least one more year. Yeah, like, I feel right. like you have – but I'm not – like, Julius Randle, he had that great season. I think it was 2021 season, yeah, before they lost to the Hawks in the playoffs. But, like, I remember, like, regular season, great season, and we all – playoffs, completely different story. He bombed in the playoffs. But I'm just like – it's like he caught lightning in a bottle and kind of just went, like, law of averages. Like, he had his moment – but even in the, but even with his stint, his brief stint in New Orleans, it kind of felt like he was, he had that brief stint in New Orleans and like the beginning of the New York Knicks run, and it felt like that was like the Julius Randle you wanted. But like just watching him now, I'm not, I'm, I'm really surprised. Like I won't be surprised if he's included more trade rumors as the season goes along. Like I, depending on how things go. But here's the thing: if things go poorly, like his number isn't, like especially with the rising cap, isn't outlandish. The problem is, though, like, and I, I just re- I just looked at this again, he's got, after this year, he has two more years and then a player option. Like, Man, that's, that's too many years. So you said so, two years and then and then the player option? Yeah, yeah so like, I looked so at not like, e- So not even, like, one year and then player option. It's, like, three years. We're talking about three years. The, he's starting the three plus one this year. Oh, man, He's starting yeah. the three plus one this year. So it's, now it's it's 23 million, which is, like, not that deep. Guess what? And Fournier... Is making uh, eighteen million this year, right? But at the same time, like well, depending on his production, if you don't get like, are you willing to spend twenty three? Like, unless it's a team who's like, we're just going to take contracts for now. Like, I can't but, see. But no team wants to do that. Like, yeah, no team. And if you're the Knicks, you're not saying like, you know, what you don't want to do with those picks. You don't want to send them off in uh, to unload off of Julius's Randall's contract. It's not one that's like totally, totally crushing and killing you. Like, it's not great, but if you have him better off in the back and forth, the problem is he just doesn't fit as like a tertiary guy. Like, he's, in order for him to be beneficial, he does kind of need to have the ball in his hands because his spacing outside of that one year, which looks like it was, you know, not really real, uh, he just... 
doesn't really seem to be the off-ball type of fit like that, say, maybe a Jeremy Grant could be, right? They, you know, those two guys were on the most improved player thing, and, and Julius Randle won, got even some second-team All-NBA, you know, uh, love that year, too. It's, I, I just don't know what you can do other than hope things go well for him in a in, in adding Jalen Brunson to the mix. I think you just have to hope that that looks good. But you're right. I mean, the problem is, like, well, you have Obi Toppin, and you still really don't know what you have in him. I yeah. have never been an Obi Toppin person. Um, it's almost like coming out of the draft. It's almost like they're expecting Obi Toppin to be a shorter Amari Stoudemire, like a shorter version of Amari Stoudemire. Like, that's what I felt like. Like, because we know defensively he didn't have much there. But at least with Amari, you had, like, a pretty good offensive game. Like, I feel like with Obi Toppin, like, it's still a very unpolished offensive game. And the problem is he's such a negative when he's on the floor that there's only so much tips can put him out there for. But the worst thing that you can have happen is for that, like, I know where I would say not Obi Toppin. I wouldn't have drafted him in the first place. I would have gone different directions. But you cannot go, like, for him... I didn't put him as a decision because the team he's under team control for two more this year and next year, uh, and then he he'll be an RFA. But uh, like you can't go into that saying, ah, well you know what, he, we don't really know what we have, but we, we think it. You know, if you squint, maybe 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 he can be good enough, and and let's go ahead and pay. like you don't have he does not have the way to get to the minutes you need to to really evaluate for them they liked him so for them to be able to evaluate if he's their guy or not i don't know if he, there's enough minutes out there so I, I i just i worry that they'll come and then they'll they'll offer him an extension or a contract and then they're really stuck and then they realize one year into that contract uh oh we actually didn't want to give him you know the the money that we did i don't know yeah that's what i'm kind of looking at i'm just like i don't think he's i can't see him getting a second contract from the knicks that's where i'm at right now i feel like this is going to be it moving forward now this team i think does have a chance to hover around the same record and like you said like be playing contention like i can see this team being there but I don't see him really moving out of that play in contention. I don't see him moving up to the six seed. Yeah. Uh, nor nor do I. All right, Elton. We've talked right. to the Atlantic. We're going to the Western Conference uh, uh, ne- next week, and um, there we go. Hopefully, hopefully uh, uh, we can. You know, we're, we're working our way toward basketball season. <laughs> That's what you love to hear. We're slowly getting there, and then. We'll all start attending basketball games, hopefully, in our own time. Indeed. Indeed. All right, Richard. All right, peace.